Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome along to the Rocky Road Boxing Podcast. I am your very groggy host, Kevin Byrne, so apologies for that today. We are joined today by two men who are no doubt feeling fresher than I am, at least I hope so. Eric Donovan joins us not long off the plane from his honeymoon after marrying the lovely Laura, while Emmett Brennan is with us this week to tell us his story. Emma represented Ireland at the Olympic Games this summer, and now, after getting those Olympic rings inked on his arms, as is the law for Olympians, He's now growing another accessory as he's doing November for men's mental health. Emmett, welcome to the show. I want to ask you about that homecoming along Kelly Harrington on the double-decker bus. What a moment. Yeah, um, it was unbelievable. I suppose I have to thank Kelly for it because the guy actually wasn't going to go on to the bus. Um, because the guy, like Kelly had only boxed and she'd won the gold medal. And the guy's boxed, guys out of competition two weeks. So it was sort of, for me, it felt like the Olympics was over and like I wanted the Kelly got gold, which is an unbelievable achievement and not many people in Ireland anyway get that achievement. So I just, I wanted her to, I wanted her to get a homecoming on her own and for her to go off and get, get what she deserved. And in fairness, so she's like, no, look, I want you on the bus. Um, we're both from the same area. We both went to the Olympics together. We've been training together for the last few years. But yeah, thanks for hope. Uh, I ground the bus and I, you know what, if I didn't ground the bus, it would have been a big regret because it was amazing. Um, I didn't even know there was that many people from here area. The streets are crowded. Like, was, we started off, we went through a body box. There was probably maybe 5,000 people lying in the street. And then we took a left and we went down Kelly's Road. And I've never seen anything like before. Like, and I've never experienced anything like before because in, in amateur fights, in amateur boxing, you don't fight in front of a huge crowd. So, so the only thing I can explain is like, like walking out into a full stadium or walking out into, yeah, Crow Park being packed or something. The, the cheers, it was, it was amazing. And it was, it was something that I'll never forget. And I got to bring my mom and my sisters on the bus with me. Kelly had whole family. So I suppose it was a special moment to share with the people that have helped us get to this position and yeah I'm, I'm very grateful to have experienced that it was unbelievable i'm glad you got on the bus as well because like i heard that story i heard that uh, emmett <laughs> i read, read somewhere emmett didn't want to be on the bus like and i can see your point of view mm. i really can you know because you're like you know i don't want kelly's won the gold medal i don't want to take away from mm. him but like really um i don't know if you realize maybe you do now but like your story was such a success story as well. And it's, you've inspired so many. Yeah, you know, you might have not came home with a medal from the Olympic Games, but you've done much more in terms of inspiring people and back, you know, for people to believe in themselves and for people to kind of really think that they can actually do it. Like here's Emmett from our community. He's after going through the mill, he's after going through setbacks, knockbacks. You know, took a punt on himself. He had to go through adversity and he got there and he's out there and he, and he boxed out of your skin as well. And like, so I was so happy to see you get on that bus because you, you deserve to be, you know, applauded too for all of your efforts. And I'm glad you did in the end. And it was kind of, it was really cool. I saw you up on top of the bus and you were pointing down at a couple of mates. You were like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'll see you. I'll see you. I was thinking we're making a plan. It was, yeah, it was yeah. really, it was really yeah, great. Yeah, no, it was cool. And, and as you said, like, 
the culture of Tokyo and you do have social media I suppose so you get a little bit of a glimpse of what has happened at home but it doesn't actually hit you until you are back home and you're around these people and you have people stopping you on the street saying congratulations mm. I'm inspired by what you've done it's a great story a brilliant journey so mm. yeah I suppose a lot of them we had is you're out I was away from home and I actually didn't realize that I did have a little bit of a positive effect on people. Um, whereas I would have never, like never in a million years, I would have taken that. Um, and again, I'm grateful for that. It's good to have people a little bit inspired by your story because you know yourself, Eric, not everyone gets to the top, but a lot was, a lot was still praying near enough the same effort and, Wherever, wherever it may be, we just didn't get to that position, but we do still go through a lot to get there. Like being an well, athlete is a hard job. Well, if you think about it, like when you actually break it down, it's only a little minuscule like dot of the pop world's population that get to go to the Olympic Games. Yeah. And here's two going from inner city Dublin. Mm. So like that was it was very important that that was acknowledged and paraded and celebrated and um and it's wonderful because I, I'm not sure, you know, well, hopefully you've inspired many more. Well, I know you have inspired many more kids to kind of take up sport or take up boxing specifically. But um, you never know if they're going to go to the top either. But like, you know, we we might never see the likes of that again. You know, that's, no, how, that's how incredible that achievement was. And you know yourself, like boxing or whatever it is, whether it's football, being in a club, it does make you a better person. It makes your childhood a lot better. And it makes, it learns some lots of life skills that they're going to need later on in life. And the clubs in the inner city right now, they are packed. So I'm in Docklands, there's, there's so many young kids that are coming into the door throughout the last few months. And whether that's just from maybe a knock-on effect from the Olympics, plus the, we're coming out of COVID and parents want to put their kids in the clubs and get them back socialism with kids because it's so important and it will have and knock on effect on how they live the rest of their life. Regard, regards the games themselves, Emmett, um, I know you went uh, and you were like balls out for a medal. That was the thing. It wasn't just like, mm. I'm happy to have qualified because I remember the day that you did qualify and everybody was over the moon. Like, oh, Emmett Brennan's going to the Olympics, but you wanted more, you wanted a medal. And uh, I suppose you're. it's all look at a draw really in the Olympic Games. But going into your opening bout, how did you feel? Like, uh, And how was the week in Tokyo? ahead of your first fight how did you feel just as you were preparing there for your for your battle yeah like the whole thing about wanting a medal is like it's boxing like you can turn up on the day you can have such a great fight and you can win it's not the likes of athletics where you know your boundaries you know like your personal best might be a second or mm. someone else ahead of you so you you know likelihood no matter how good you run you're not going to get a medal you're just looking for a personal best so my thing with the boxing is, I was like, if I can turn up here, and I can tick all the boxes right, I have a good tournament. I saying anything can happen. Um, it just like, look, my body let me down. It was, it was unfortunate. I knew this from like six months ago. Was, time was against me. Um, yeah, like I, I, was, I didn't do any, sp- coming up to the qualifiers, they had maybe, I think it was five rounds sparring, which is, which is nothing. And then, Coming up to the actual Olympic Games, I got one round of sparred in, in Ireland and I got a few, I got maybe three or four with, uh, with the girls in Tokyo. I couldn't even spar the lads because my, my body was just giving up on me. Um, we were just trying to get myself in the best condition, uh, to go in and have a go at it. But like, I was just in the mind frame that look, I just need one, one good fight. Take it, take a one round at a time. I knew the lad I was fighting was good, but, um, I looked at a fight, him against Iran, I think it was in the Asian Championships, maybe the semi final or the final. And he beat the Iranian lad on a split decision, but to my eyes, he didn't get that fight anyway. So I tried to implement, implement the same game plan as the Iranian, Iranian lad, but just like, again, Eric, you would know this from lack of sparring and lack of being in the ring with people. <laughs> your mind might be there but your sharpness isn't and, and mm. I, I could see I could actually see in the fight I could see the mistakes that I was making so he was so far and he was he was spinning off to his right side whereas I should have been cutting him off and then going but 
I was going without cutting them off and I was giving them that space to ground the outside of me, um, which ultimately was a huge mistake and probably did cost me the fight because I thought worthy enough, even though I wasn't conditioned and I wasn't that fit, I thought as the fight went on, I got a little bit better. I think I had a good second round, um, but the damage was already done. He was away, so they <laughs> an amateur boxing once you two rounds up, it's it's a very it's a hard uh, task to get it back. I yeah. actually thought, yeah, overall, I thought you boxed really well. Like, like mm. I, I genuinely thought you boxed brilliant. That's what I thought, and mm. um, I know, you know, we are our own worst critics, and you do see the t- you know, you do see the 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 small minor mm. details in a fight, which tend to be. The bigger, they're not very minor when in the grand scheme of things because they can mm. decide who wins the fight and who loses it. So in that fight, you're probably getting frustrated because maybe just slightly you're not you're not you're not um, executing your plan or the way you hoped that you would do. And yeah. uh, you know, I, I always think there's always there's there's always three types of fights that you do. There's the fight that you want to do, the fight that you do. And the fight that you should have done, <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah. that it, 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 but it never, acts, you know, it's all, we always try and get that perfect, you know, scenario, but sometimes it just doesn't happen that way. But I, I genuinely believe that you broke his soul. You know, I, I believe you, he beat you in that fight, but you, mm. you, you, you eliminated him from those Olympic games, believe it or not. Yeah, I I broke him. I did break did. him. I remember at the end of the fight, you can, and we had a course on this. At the end of the fight, you, I remember we walked by him and he just got off the John Connell and fucked uh, fucked or something he said and started to show his arms down he was, he was wrecked. Um mm. boy, I tend to do that to people, so that's where like like I am a, probably a pro boxer fighting in an amateur cause because I, I would need them extra few rounds to get in the likes of that fight where I'd probably break them down and beat them. Um, but look, it's amateur boxing and he done very well. Like, he, he was smart on the inside. He was holding and he, he done what he had to do. He was still no without holding too much where he's going to get one. And then, look, he was a very good fighter. He's a world silver medalist. And yeah, yeah, no complaints. You just, look, you wish you're in better condition and in hindsight, I should have done this. But, Look, it's it's an experience, and you you put in that back pocket and move on. A, a question just about the qualifiers and making it to the Olympics. Like obviously, you were entered into the qualifiers pre uh, pre COVID, mm. so that that was taking place. Was it London? Wasn't it in March? London, yeah. So you know you were you're fit as a fiddle, and you were the number one light heavyweight in Ireland at the time. And because you were entered into those qualifiers, by the time they they came around again. To, to conclude the tournament, they were taking place in Paris in 2021, only a couple of months out from the Olympics. And you still had, as you were the only end, as you were the Irish entry in the previous, you know, the previous mm. slant of the tournament, you kept that place. But as you say, you, your shoulder was at you. You weren't be, being able to spar much. Do you think if it was possible, like, would you have maybe sat that, those qualifiers out? Like if, if you were not 100% sure? <laughs> not a chance of hell. Would, would, would it cut the team of taking that out of your out of your no, hands? No, no, because I was I we I'd already fought. Like so I'd already fought, the tournament's already started. I think like maybe there was a chance if you didn't fight and there was no and the person that you were fighting didn't fight either. There was mm. a chance of changing, but but that's what that's what I mean. If you if you weren't already a lock in the tournament, haven't participated in 2020, do you think maybe as you approached the tournament as a reconvened in 2021 that they might have said, Emmett, you're not right. You're gonna have to st- sit this one out. And yeah. obviously you would have gone nuts. Like I wouldn't I wouldn't have let them like yeah, <laughs> it's the Olympic Games, you know. Not. Like yeah. I could have gotten in there with no arms, it's not a chance of hell. Like this is yeah. like as I said, the Olympics was always my dream. If if profession was my dream, I would have done that a few years ago. I've sacrificed everything to get to this moment. I'm not letting someone else get in there ahead of me. Not a hope in hell. Um, yeah, I would have pointed that down. Not, not a hope. So was the Olympics always a dream? You started off, you boxed for saviors as a young lad, uh, you know, where the likes of Steve Collins and Darren Sutherland made their, you know, box as young men as well. I know you were pretty close with Darren back in the day. You would have done a lot of spars together. Yeah, like not even spars. Like Darren would have been a few years old than me, but like he was Darren was very good. So like 
just in terms of the kids, how he asked about boxing, he was saying, you can do all the bags, you can do all the pads you want in the world, because in the ring is where you're laying that grass. So he'd come down to the club, he'd mess with the kids, he'd spar tables at the same time. He just, he just always wanted to be in the ring and moving and very, very, very good boxer. Um, but St. Saviors as a whole, like, again, Eric, you'd know this from probably the 2000s. They would have been up there with St. Michael's. They were probably the two oh, best yeah. clubs in, in the country at the time. Oh, like, yeah. they, they had, each club has four or five quality elite fighters at the top level and all capable of going on yeah. to being Olympians. Um, but yeah, when I joined boxing, so like, I think in Ireland now, like, professional boxing is only sort of coming into it, but it was always an amateur sport. And I think mainly everyone's dream walking into a club was the Olympics. It wasn't, you wouldn't really have much kids walk, walking in saying, I want to be a world professional champion. Um, I think it was more focused towards the amateur side. And that's, Something that just gripped me as a kid, and I can remember that and going to the Olympics in uh, in Beijing, and it was like it was a person that I was in awe of. He was my first idol as a boxer, and to see him go on, and again he had like maybe a year or so before that he had a very bad eye injury, and um, I think maybe in yeah I think it was 2007, 2006 he had a very bad eye injury. So I think the adversity that he had to go through to get there, like everyone thinks. Like from the outside, when people see people get to the top, they don't actually realize the adversity and the struggles that these people have to deal with to get there. So it was sort of that, maybe that little rocky story that just got me, and I was, I was infatuated by it. And then he came back with a medal, and I can remember him coming in at the same day, it was the first day back, and we were all just cheering him on and parading him. And it was, to me, that was, that was the dream. I wanted that. Um, no, it's never going to be as good as Darren, but you you try your best to to mock what he has done, and yeah, it's so it's something that it's something that just instilled in my brain. Even to this day, I can still remember him coming into the club. Darren had that presence, didn't he? Like on people, yeah. like even even I was I was a part of the high performance team with Darren, and I was in awe of him as well. Even like even though I was on the same uh, same team as him, and would have been seen as an equal equal member I always looked up to him um, you know he, he just the smaller details as well you know it's mm. uh, you know from bringing his own lunch bringing his own food just uh, from studying you know from going back into third level education actually going back and sitting his leaving cert when he was a couple of years older than everybody in the class and you know all of that kind of stuff was he always seemed to have a, a focus you know he was very present but always planned ahead and um. You know, he 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 did bring that energy and enthusiasm, and anyone that was around him, anybody that was around him, were you know lucky to be around him because they could feed off that. You know, and it's no surprise that you know that you fed off it and you used it, and you have been another one of those successful stories from the Saint Saviour's Boxing Club. Yeah, it's been incredible, uh, incredible uh, club. And you're right, you did have so many. Like, I look at you, right, and I. And I, I think of my own self and I think I could have done that. You know, I could have done what Emmett, Emmett, Emmett stuck with it, kept going, believed in himself. And he got there at 30 years of age. I walked away from the amateur game. I think I was 27 or something like that. Uh, and when I got back from the WSB and I just walked away from it, I gave it up for about three years. And But I, I did, <laughs> your success story got me thinking. Should I have should have stayed on? Maybe mm. I should have. Maybe I should have. You know. So if it got me yeah. thinking, imagine, imagine what it's doing for everybody else. You know what I mean? Mm. That, uh, you know, it's really inspiring. Yeah. Yeah, and that's probably that is part of the reason why I came back because I've been in Saint Saviors, and so we're not going to name names, but you would have known mm. some of the great boxers that were there, and Darren was only the really, really one. Well, Carl Bravison done well as well, but Darren went on to the top, and there was a few boxers that. Possibly could again today if they had a, they had employed the same level of discipline and the same yeah. level of want in it as Darren. And I didn't want to look back in five years, be sitting in a pub with my mate, looking at the Olympics saying, oh, that could have been me. Yeah. I, I wanted to, and look, 
obviously I wanted to be an Olympian, but I could have accepted not being an Olympian mm-hmm. just once I gave it that shot and once I once I knew I had no regrets because regret is one of the biggest things in life if you're yeah. Imagine living the rest of your life with regret. You you yeah. always have a negative a negative feeling towards the sport, and hmm. you, you probably become a little bit bitter. Um, so yeah, I, I, again, I, I could have been and we're not being an Olympian once I gave it that shot. Hmm. And like Darren was one of those, uh, he was one of those rare ambassadors for the sport. You, sometimes boxing can be difficult for people to get into unless it's a big fight, uh, but. I think he he could offer a window into amateur boxing for any sports fan in Ireland to watch. He saw the way he went through the highs and lows. The way he fought was 100% committed and the way he would celebrate afterwards was you could really see the passion and the pride he had for the sport as well. Like he was, you know, he was a, a great ambassador for the sport as well. Yeah, he was. And look, he was, he was, he was such a nice and humble person but at the same time he was, he was very, very popular and he was, he was quite, not extravagant, but he was a little bit out there as well in his own thoughts. And he was, yeah, he was, he, everyone could relate to him, but he was still a little bit different at the same time. Um, yeah, just an absolute legend. Emma, go back to your Olympic story, right? And mm. uh, with the whole story about the credit union loan and stuff like that, <laughs> that mm. was brilliant, right? Because... You know, the credit union is just, it has a kind of a, you know, this, this can, the credit union and the Irish people go hand in hand. You know? Yeah. yeah. And it's not about made, a trip abroad, though, isn't it? <laughs> I thought it was brilliant. I, I just thought it was mm. brilliant. When I read that, like, I wanted to kind of, I wanted to mention it on, on, mm. on, on RTE. Um, because I wanted people to know the lengths you had to go to because mm. some people think, oh, boxing Olymp- Olympians and, oh, yeah, there's, you know, these guys are, these guys have everything. These guys have, you know, but it's quite the opposite. It's on yeah. the contrary, actually. You know, you're getting there despite the, you know, despite um, funding and support and all those things are in spite of them. And um, and so when I mentioned that, I just, because you're trying to paint a picture. People in the, in Ireland only wake up to, the boxing every four years, the general public. And my job is to try and you know create a profile and a picture, give these people an understanding of these people and and their these athletes and, and the journeys that that they have went on, embarked on to get to this position. So when I mentioned the credit union story, I mean like that got a that got um that got huge traction. And I couldn't believe it then that there was a GoFundMe yeah. set up to pay, <laughs> to pay back here. And I was like, oh my God, this is actually yeah. And I know no, that you was, you were upset about weren't you? I, I wasn't upset at it. It was just that like you hear like the GoFundMe pages that are fraud, like that fraud, they're not like legit. So I actually yeah. didn't know them. I didn't know the man that set it up. It was just some person on Twitter, and mm-hmm. I had no mutual friends. And I didn't know who he was. And I was like, and at this stage, it was like two and a half grand, and I'm like, oh fuck's sake! I was like, what is happening here? So I, I yeah. didn't know how that was legit. I was like, I don't want to see good people being put out there, hard their money. So yeah. I was like, yeah, look, do me a favor. Will you try to get this down? I'm sorry, yeah. I didn't actually know how Twitter worked. So he followed me, but I didn't follow him. So I, I didn't know how to, I couldn't get in touch with him. It took me like eight hours to get in touch with the fella. Mm. And then he was like, look, look, I'll, I'll get it took down, blah, blah, blah. It ended up being legit. And again, that just shows the Irish people. They support mm. their own. They do support their own. <laughs> they've obviously, they've seen a story like that. And it took us home. Because like, you, as you said there, like, People think once you're on the Irish team and once you're on the, the Olympics, they think you're driving around the mix and you have money to spend. <laughs> but but you don't like like the whole the whole credit union loan came from um what happened was it was 2019. I boxed in I was at 75 kilo at the time and I boxed over in Ukraine in the multi nations. And before the multi nations, I went 45 days without rest. So what I used to do is I'd be in the high performance Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and mm. I'd train in my own boxing club on Monday night. And then I'd go straight from the high performance and I'd walk Friday night, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday morning. So I had no rest days, essentially. What were you so, working yeah, as, Emmett? I was working as a gym instructor uh, with Dublin City Council. So 
seven I was walking I was walking and training seven days a week and I'd done that I'd done that for forty five days straight and then we went to a tournament in yeah in the Ukraine. I didn't get one rest day for forty five days before that tournament. Went and fought for me for my country without having a rest in forty five days. And then I done I done well. I won my first fight. I got beaten in my third. I was just rest, making weight, and I was absolutely knackered. Um, and then obviously Jaw was gone pro, and there was an opening there at eighty one kilo. And the nationals was coming up in November. We were like maybe July, August. I was like, right, the only chance I have at getting this is I have to go full time. I'm not getting funded by the Irish team. I said, I'm going to have to get a loan now. Otherwise, this chance at the Olympics is gone. And I went, I was, I was absolutely smashed, right? I went to the credit union. I had about, like, I'm not on a high paying job. I'd done like two weeks' work. I got about 500 quid for the two weeks, maybe. Um, I had about 400 quid in my bank. I was like, there's no way these are approving this loan. Went on the Thursday, got a phone call on the Friday. Yeah, that money is there. Blah, blah, blah. Quit work and then trying for the elite and won them. Yeah. It's a brilliant. But, yeah. It's a it's a good story, but like it is shock. a good story, but and I'm glad that you um like I know that that story was a is a like it's a part of your journey, but it's not like mm. you were looking for people to come in and take that burden away from you or take that loan or come back and mm. pay that loan. That's part of your that's part of your success story and yeah and I really appreciate that. Like and 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 I wanted to kind of put that out there as well to show people like, you know, mm. that getting to the top is not an easy process. You know, you really have to go through a lot of difficulties, whether it's financially or supportive or, you know, you're like even with you, like in terms of like just having even the space and the energy, like working 40 something days in a row. Like it's just like working and training without any rest. Like it all adds to the it all makes your achievement all up bit more extraordinary, you know? Yeah, it's, it's, it's all part of the journey. And like, that's as you're saying, like people, a lot of, a lot of times the difference of maybe getting to the top of a sport and not getting to the top of a sport is taking that little bit of a chance and just maybe things are bad, but you just push through a little bit longer than the person that didn't push you. Because you, again, back to you, you know there's so many of us at the same level. Like, especially mm. in amateur boxing, you look at the, the, the world championships there last week, the level of them world championships was yeah. unbelievable. You have yeah. countries like Japan that's coming up now getting gold medals. Like, yeah. these countries would have never, these countries would have never gotten to the top of the podium before that. And even in Ireland, there's so much talent. And mm. sometimes it's just the person that endures the hardship mm. for a little bit longer that gets rewarded for it. Because there's not a lot of difference in talent and and ability level. Um, sometimes yeah, it's just that person has a little bit more more given them. One of your first fights as a kid was against um, Jason Quigley. Mm-hmm. He's one of the few that actually went into boxing, not dreaming of the Olympic Games, but dreaming of becoming a world champion. He's got that chance now uh, against Demetrius Andrade. Are, are you going to be watching your old? Uh, I'm I'm going. For it. Are you? Yeah, I'm going to. So I'm over in New York now for three weeks. Look, I'm in New York. He's fighting for a world title. I couldn't not head up and say it. Um, <laughs> Jay- Jay- Jason's one of the good guys in boxing as well. And you wish him nothing but the, but the best. It's a tough, tough task. Uh, I do right, Andrade. But I don't think Andrade is far anyone as quick and as smart as Jason. So I think... I'm sitting on the fence with the decision. I think Jason, I definitely think he can do it. Um, like you look at Andrade's past opponents, I, I just don't think any of them are, are as quick as, Jay, as Jason. He fought Williams, I think. Did he from England? Yeah, Wales. Yeah, Liam Williams. Yeah, yeah. From, sorry, from Wales. A very good fighter, but not not the same intelligence as Jason and not, no. the, same, not the same speed or the same timing as him. Like I was looking at Jason on the pads with Andy the other day and he's doing a lot of stuff from the outside, which I don't think much of Andrade's past opponents could do. A lot of them are coming forward fighters mm-hmm. and Andrade 
is a brilliant, brilliant uh, counter puncher in the southpaw stance. I think that person, the fighter coming on to him, plays into Andrade's hands, which yeah. Jason is. Jason is very, and Jason is very, very clever. Um, the only thing that I worry about is has he fought someone at and look, look, it's hard to fight anyone at Andrade's level, but has his past opposition been anywhere close to Andrade's level? No, no, probably not. No, he needs mm. to he needs to be better uh, and better prepared than for any fight he's had. Yeah, I would have I would have loved him to get one more one more fight against someone that's just a little bit underneath Andrade. Be him and know you you test him. But look, when your chance comes, you're not going to say, "Yeah, hold on, I have one more fight." Yeah, you, for sure. You jump on that chance. It's a, it's a chance yeah. to be a world champion and an an Irish middleweight world champion. I think we've had two before. What an unbelievable achievement to be even in this position. And look, I wish him the best. Does it help him having a trainer who's a southpaw, or does that mean anything? Uh, I, I, not even a southpaw. It just helps him having Andy Lee in his corner. Similar to Eric, his knowledge is, is unbelievable. Like, he listen to his punditry walk and he's picking up things that I have to rewind it to go back and say, yeah, he's actually right there. His knowledge the boxing second to none. Um, and the fact that he's a self party, yeah, I'm sure I would do. Um, I just, yeah, I do. I, I, I'm sitting on the Spencer because I, it's such a, an intriguing matchup because, as I said, although Jason hasn't fought anyone on the level of Andrade, Andrade hasn't fought anyone similar to Jason. And it just, can he deal with the speed and can he deal with Jason being on the outside? Because I was looking on the outside there on the pad and then he jumped in with a one two and he straight back out. He might Andrade mightn't have the chance to counter him. Yeah, Eric looking forward to it. I am, you know, it's gonna be a great it's gonna be a great fight. Like he has a great he has a great chance, you know, he has a great chance. There's no doubt that Andre is gonna be the favourite and you know, Jason's gonna be the underdog and all, but you're like that's where you wanna be, kind of going into that anyway. No expectations of you, like you know, but he'll certainly be backing himself. And I think if he can if he can kind of I suppose bring some of that I think of the performance of Jason Quigley in the semi-final of the world championships against the Russian. And yeah. I know it would while back 2013 to become the first Irish boxer to get into the world final. That that performance against that Russian was the perfect performance. Like, you know, moving on the back foot, moving on him. The Russian was breathing down his throat. Andred, as, as, as Emmett said there, is used to having everyone coming forward, coming forward, and then he picks them off. But if Jason doesn't do that, he has to bring Andred out of himself, out of his comfort zone, and coming forward. And that's where I think, you know, it could be 50-50, you know. Jason can get him going forward, try and expose him, counter-punch him. And then when he, get in, when he gets into the deeper rounds, he can mix it up with him then, have a go then, you know. Just got to be careful in the in the early rounds because he is quite dangerous, uh, Andred, and quite um, quite explosive and powerful as well, you know. Um, has great hand speed. Uh so just in the early rounds, yeah, I would say box, stick to your boxing, you know, and Jason is a very good boxer. Mm. Um, it's going to be good. It's going to be great. I'm, I was, the reason I laughed there when Emmett said he's going over there, like, I, I'm thinking of a story here. I don't know whether I should tell you or not. I don't know what, if I should give you as an exclusive or not. Mm. It's a bit embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, I'm going to go ahead. I've started yeah. now, right? I, I had faith you would. I had faith you would. <laughs> I, so I'm busy as hell there. Um, up a couple of weeks ago, I'm I'm hiding all over the country. I'm doing school talks. I'm in Cork. I'm in Tipperary. I'm all over the place. I'm not getting a chance to kind of look at look at in depth of what's going on. But I did get the notification: Jason Quigley is going to fight for the world title, and uh, great stuff. So I'm talking to my wife Laura on the phone, and she's like, "Yeah, what do you think? Or you heard about Jason Quigley?" And I said, "Oh yeah, I heard it. Yeah, it's great, isn't it?" And she goes, "Yeah, say you'd want to go, will you?" And I said, "No, I won't. That's in America." <laughs> You know, and she goes, it's not, it's in Manchester. <laughs> I said, what? I said, she goes, I'm looking at it, it's in Manchester. I said, you're joking. And she goes, I didn't have I'm so busy, I'm just doing that. And I'm like, Jesus, Manchester. I said, um, <laughs> and I never even had a sense. I said, well, we'll go so, we'll be, we'll be back from our honeymoon and all. Like, and yeah, we might as well. Let's go. Just look at flights, book flights from Manchester. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> she booked to, uh, 
two nights, two three, uh, Thursday to Sunday in Manchester. And uh, then she booked the tickets and she says to me, I'm having a huge problem trying to get into my ticket master. They're trying to get me to pay in dollars. And I said, oh, Jesus, what's going on? That must be the da- da zone. I'd say it's probably the zone, probably have a headquarters in America or something. <laughs> and she goes, she goes, she got tickets anyway. And then she's in, um, she was in the gym later on that day and she, she met with Kieran from Boxing Bands and she told Kieran that we were going. And Kieran said that he lived in that part of the States before because he used to, and she's like, what? What? What do you mean that Manchester? <laughs> he said, Manchester, New Hampshire. <laughs> what? <laughs> she texted me and she goes, oh my God. <laughs> I'm like, this, would, you, would you believe it? I had to get straight back on to Jason Quigley's guy, SB Sports in uh, in Donegal, who does all his merchandise and that, because he put up a post um, and I, I commented underneath. I said, flight's booked, can't wait. And he asked me for... <laughs> He asked me for my address. He wanted to send us out some merchandise to <laughs> me and Laura. So I, I, I came back on, or I came straight back on to him and I said, look, man, send him an audio. I said, this is quite embarrassing. I'm really sorry, but look, you may put a halt to that merchandise. I said, because we're after making a big boo-boo here. <laughs> and he goes, um, he goes, man, that's a wild story. I'm sending them anyway. <laughs> so we got a hoodie. We got a JQ hoodie. Yeah, but we uh, we just look. Uh, we can't make it over to America, but we'll be we'll be we'll be watching. <laughs> Will you be watching uh, from Manchester in England or what? <laughs> well, we're, look, we, we're actually not even going to go to Manchester now either because me uh, United are not playing at home that weekend, right? And so we just said, nah, look, it's, you know, anyone that knows after a wedding and a honeymoon, you, you, you kind of have to regroup and, and reset. So, um, yeah, no, but like we'll be, we'll be cheering them on. But Laura's going to kill me for telling the story, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> no. I know you're, you're in the honeymoon period, Eric. You're grand. Yeah. Everything, is, everything is accepted at this stage. <laughs> life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much like unexpected medical costs that's why united healthcare provides health protector guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs learn more at uh1.com ryan reynolds here from Mint mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices down so to help us we brought in a reverse auctioneer which is apparently a thing Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Uh, Emma, you're going to be rocking a tash over in New York. You're uh, currently yeah. doing Movember for men's health, uh, men's mental health. How's it going for you? How's the tash growing there? <laughs> it's not growing. I'm, uh, I'm what's this? Eight days, maybe nine, nine days in, and yeah, it's just not growing. Like it's just not growing. So I mean, I'm dealing with the lads and walk, and I went in yesterday. Some of theirs are great. Um, yeah, I grow faces here, like this. 16 year old school child, it's just not ground for me. I'm sure, look, by the end of November, I'll be out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just, look, look, it's a good charity, you know, as I said, with the lack of training at the moment, it gives me something to focus on. Um, look, mental health in Ireland, especially in the last year or so, probably isn't at a hoist. I heard in, like, with friends that have suffered in the past, myself, with early twenties I probably went off off soil a little bit and yeah, it's, it's look, it's it's a common thing and men don't talk about it, unfortunately. Um we like to bottle things up. So yeah, I was happy to jump jump in and get involved with it. And do people do you find that uh, your increased profile allows people to kind of contact you and tell you their problems or helps people open up to you? Uh, at all yeah, ways? not not necessarily strangers, but like I suppose I have had friends that said, look, I'm I am fit, I'm fading down the last word, blah, blah, blah. 
And like what I just try to tell people is try to do something that makes you happy. Like if you're if you're not doing if you're not even doing something like one day one time a day that makes you happy, like you're you're not really feeling fulfilled. Like whether that may maybe going out and walking a dog for half an hour, going on the run, going getting a coffee, whatever it is, give yourself something at least once a day because life can get hectic. It's it's like there's a there's a good bit of pressure to bring money in. So I have friends that work 12, 12 hours a day, some days and they're doing that non-stop and then they're saying, oh, I feel unhappy. Yeah, of course you feel unhappy. All you're doing is living the walk. Sure, you live a little bit more for yourself. Well, it's more, it's more so friends that will come to me rather than strangers. Um, yeah. Yeah, and Eric, it's something you see obviously a lot with your work in the community. Men's mental health is taking a hit. We're drinking more. We're doing more drugs. Um, and we're just probably not living as we should be, a lot of us, a lot of the lads out there. No, yeah, no, it's, you know, it's, it's just a crisis at the moment, like, you know, and uh, been going on for a very long time. Um, negative, uh, poor mental health problems, like, you know, in this country, but across the world as well. And, you know, specifically with men, like, it's not, it doesn't discriminate. Mental health doesn't discriminate no matter what background you have, no matter what money you have in your pocket, no matter what job you have or family you have. It just, it comes, it, you know, it, it comes upon everybody and I find that we are more disconnected today than ever before you know so it's important that we 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 connect not only with each other but connect to our inner self you know connect to our uh to our feelings to our emotions to our thoughts you know to try and realign them and um to try and understand them and work with them you know so I am very passionate about this area of uh health and well-being and um I talk about it all the time because I, and like, it's only through my own experiences that I've learned to be able to kind of, uh, manage, um, and to be somewhat kind of, what would you say, happy in my own skin and kind of successful in life. But what do I call that? Like, what is successful in life? It's being happy in your own skin and just being able to kind of puff one foot in front of the next and get up and be on a good balance in life, you know, without, I don't drink anymore. I don't smoke. I don't do drugs. I don't gamble. I don't do any sort of things that used to really bother me for years and years and years. So, and I'm able to be okay. I'm able to sit down and be happy with myself. And I tried to tell people about how I got to that level, how I got there. It wasn't easy, you know, it wasn't easy. So I think these November, um, the, the November campaign and all other forms as well of, of, of kind of campaigns that brings a bit of attention and highlights um, positive mental health, you know, or to pr- promote uh, positive mental health is wonderful. And I think Emmett getting involved in it is brilliant because people will actually look up to you, Emmett, you know, mm. um, not only from your Olympic success as well, but knowing just because you're a boxer and you're here, boxing is synonymous with being tough and macho and brave and all that, you know. So when people hear you, talking about, you know, some days you have a bad day, you know, or some days you can feel a bit low and a bit down and whatever, you know, when people hear that, a boxer, a champion boxer, an Olympian boxer, you know, mm. if feel like that, they'll feel a bit, you know, they won't feel alone either when they feel down. That's the beauty of the sport, as I see it. It's, it's got this ability to connect with other people, with people who otherwise mightn't engage. And I think the sport has that ability. Mm. Yeah, like I even... I just think in terms of myself, like people probably think, oh, he's back from the Olympics. He has everything. He must be so happy. Like, mm. like post Olympics, because of this injury, it's probably been one of the most stressful times of my life. I'm looking at people from the Olympics that are moving on with their career. They've made that choice. They know what they're going into next. Mm. And I feel like I'm sitting still. And one thing that I suppose probably is a big, has a big effect on mental health is social media. Um, yeah. so there wasn't social media 20 or 30 years ago and mm. I'm not sure what the what the mental health uh, rate was like back then but mm. I'm looking I just had to go onto my phone and I'm looking at people making their next career moves while I'm sitting in bed with a, with an injured child or having not thrown a punch in three or four months so yeah. I think like it's so easy to compare your life to someone else now um, yeah. and that's what I found I've done over the last two or three months and then as Eric said, if you add alcohol in on top of it, mm. you're, you're doing that with a hangover. You're, it's, 
Like it's, it's, it isn't good, but it's not good for your mental health. And the phones, although they can be a great tool to to socialize with other people and to network with other people, they can also be a big, big downfall. Um, whereas, yeah, absolutely. And they help us get this podcast together, absolutely. But uh, at the same time, it's nice to get out and about and looking forward to getting back around the place and getting back to a few shows as they come. Yeah. Uh, and that's possibly where your future lies. Um, you've given it some thought. Uh, you know, we're not expecting to make any exclusive announcements here today on the Rocky Road Ram, but we've seen the amateur game. There's now prize money in the World Championships, which took place recently in Serbia. Ireland were represented in your weight category by Keelan Cassidy, who did very well. And you, there's uncertainty over the place of Olympic uh, Olympic boxing going down the line towards Paris. Uh, then again, we, we look over at the pro side. There's a lot of guys in your weight category, Irish light heavyweights. Like here's a, it's just a short list. Like uh, I think Tony Brown might be fighting at super middleweight, but he's in and around there. But there's Thomas O'Toole, Matthew Tinker, Joe Ward. Down Australia, there's Connor Wallace, Paul McCullough, there's Kevin Cronin here in Ireland. There's a lot of probably temptation there to turn pro and get in the mix there as well. So what do you think the future holds for you? One thing is for sure, you're going to keep punching when the uh, shoulder injury is recovered. Yeah, so look, um, if I was to go pro, it would be a silver middle. It wouldn't be a um, really heavy. I would make silver middle comfortable enough. It was the, it was the making 75 kilo over three or four days. That was what was killing me. I could make it the first day at a little bit of a struggle, but then you're putting on three kilos straight after that and you're trying to make it the next day. And then you go out of the ring and you're three and a half kilo over and you're trying to make it the next day. So that was the influence on me moving up to Louis Heavy and Joe Gone. Obviously, that position was there. So if I was to turn over, I'd be campaigning a silver medal. So look, I love a fight. And I'm totally, if I was to go pro, obviously, I'm under no illusions. I would have to fight one or two journeymen first. You're not going to go straight into the deep end. But I would like to go into the deep end against all them Irish guys as soon as possible because um, coming from amateur boxing, like, the, the level of competition is is so good. Like yeah, No matter who you're fighting, they're well capable of putting up a fight. I don't really want to go back to getting into a ring and knowing I'm going to be someone. I need that for the mental side of things to push myself and train saying, look, this fella is good. I need to keep on training. I need to be on top of things. My nutrition has to be right. I have to be getting enough rest. I have to stay on top of my hydration. I need someone that's going to be good in front of me for that. Um, and then in terms of making the decision, um, one, I have to say if I'm funded at Amateur next year and how much I am funded, that will have a big influence on my decision. Because if there's no money coming in, well, then obviously I'm going to go pro. Um, and then when I'm talking to people about going pro, I have to see what kind of money I, I can get, what kind of route I can go, and add them to up and see which is the best best um, best decision for me. But in terms of amateur, I feel robbed of an experience at the Olympics as well. So that's still playing in my head because we didn't get the full experience with COVID. Um, mm. So if I was to give an answer, I'm going to stay on the fence. Um, yeah. But style-wise, if I was to go pro, I'd be in some serious, serious fights because I'm coming all day. Um, my style is suited to it. I, I think over the likes of seven, eight, nine, ten rounds, I can break some serious operators down. As we've seen in that fight, I'd say if I got that out over ten rounds, the Uzbek, it's a different fight. It's a different fight altogether. Um, but I'm not going to make the decision until this is healed and I can, uh, the show is healed. Yeah. It's a good position to be in, though, because you have options, you know? Like, yeah. You have options as, uh, you know, you're still number one Irish, you know, you're still number one in Ireland. You're still the Olympian. You're still, you know, you still have that kind of pedigree behind you now. And, you know, you will have funding. Yeah, mm. There's no doubt about that. You should have funding secured. Anyway, whether it's going to be enough to keep you amateur, I don't know. But then I'm sure that 
you know, judging by the the performances you gave in the lead up to the, the Olympic Games and then the kind of uh, market out there at the moment in the professional game, there's no doubt that there's a few hungry promoters looking for you mm. because you would make you would be a great addition to the professional game. So it's look, you're right in not making a decision, uh, and you're right to kind of um, do what's best for you. But you're in a good position. You're in a healthy mm. position. Yeah, and the, the likes of well, I'm actually people that probably wouldn't be happy like Caden don't go in the World Championships. I'm happy at that. I have competition in Ireland now. I have someone chasing my spot. Like you have a little bit of a growth there. So, like, if there's no competition, it becomes stale. So, like, I can stay amateur and I, I have competition on my own shores and someone wants my spot and someone's going to give everything he has to take it. And that can only make you a better fighter. And, and then whoever goes on from that, it's going to be a better fighter at an international level. Like, yeah, totally. Yeah, mm. absolutely. Well, I think you've got the ingredients to do both. I think if you went pro, you've definitely, you've shown in your personality when you were defeated in Tokyo with your interview after it seemed to kind of capture the hearts of the nation because you put it out there, your emotion at losing. You've got the, you've got the storyline. People take it, people took an interest in your pre-Olympic mm. story and you got the fighting ability to do it over the longer distance at the pros as well. So if that happens, very interesting. But if not, and you stay amateur, absolutely. What we want to see is competition in the men's weights at elite level where Ireland then ultimately puts the best fighters into it, into the international tournaments because like Eric, like in Eric's day, boxing amateur for Ireland, if you get out of Ireland, you know that you're good enough to win medals at international yeah. tournaments and that's the way it should be and hopefully that's the way it'll be going forward. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'd love to see more fighting in Ireland at amateur level. So I haven't fought for Ireland in Ireland since 2007 now. Yeah, like we need to, we need to be fighting in front of home fans. It's the only way you're gonna build the sport is if you have, you have young kids going to look at these people that are looking up to in the stadium, down in the likes of Mayo, down in the west, up the north, down the south. You have to bring boxing back to Ireland because I don't. There's not there's not enough fights happening there at elite level. And even there, the guy can remember Eric fighting against you, but that's something I can remember as a kid. Then I want to be in that position. It was a four and eight in terms of a few lads from more and a few from Scotland, Wales, and England. And it was in the stadium, and I can vividly remember being there, looking at these lads. Then that's the position that I want to be in, and it encourages kids. Like when was the, like I can't remember the last show that or well, we had a round robin in 2017. I think they might have him won down in Mayo against um I don't know who it was against. They had one against India in two thousand eight then. But they these should be regular shows. They should be happening three or four times a year. Getting the young lads from clubs going and looking at the the people idols or whatever you want to call them, looking at the likes of Kelly Harton. Imagine having their Olympic champion fighting on your show in Mayo or down in South of Ireland. It's filled the place out twice over. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, 100% agree. And like, even if you look at your own career, some of the fellas you fought, I'd watch rematches of nearly any of them in the, in the amateurs or pros. Like, there's a list here of lads who've met most of these lads have gone pro, but you fought them all. Like, so from, um, from Quigley early on to Paddy Gallagher, Sean Duffy, Paddy McDonough, Michael O'Reilly three times, Roy Sheehan, Connor Coyle, Connor Wallace, Fergus Quinn. Uh, John Joyce, Tony McGlynn, Gabriel Dawson, I'm laughing because every single one of the baby. At the start, at the, at the start <laughs> of that list. I got beaten, I got beaten, I got beaten, I got beaten, I got beaten. <laughs> but we've got wins here over Sheehan, Connor Wallace, couple over Fergus Quinn, who's now yeah. a pro. Uh, John Joyce, you know, highly rated young pro. John Joyce, uh, club mate of yours, Eric, wasn't he? He's a great little fighter. Yeah. How many of them went to the Olympics, though? None of them. <laughs> I, See, there yeah, you go. I'll tell you a funny story. I boxed Roy Shane, right? Yeah. And was the first time I boxed him must have been so I beat him once, he beat me once. Mm. It must have been maybe 2012. It was my first um it was my first time fighting Cena. Mm. And Jimmy and me coaches, look, I'm fighting Roy Shane. I took her a late notice. It was just to get a fight. Because look, Roy doesn't hit that hard. <laughs> right, really doesn't hit that hard. He's, he's, he's a little bit skinny. He doesn't hit that hard. 
four, he's very good now. We'll, we'll take the fight. Fourth round. It was what it wasn't. It was a mix between a hook and a jab. Boom. Yeah. Hit the deck straight away. Oh, went, back to, went back to the corner. Jimmy, what the fuck doesn't hit that hard? <laughs> I'm not messing. Roy Shane. Roy Shane is the saving. Probably the most powerful puncher yeah. I've ever been in the ring with. And it's, yeah. it's that's purely down to technique. He's, yeah. He's it's unbelievable. His technique and his speed was just on a different level altogether. And that and yeah. that's what really got people. It was that it was that speed. You didn't see it coming and boom. And mm. it really I seen Roy knocking out so many people. It's just incredible. Thought I was a class act, he really was. Class act. And then I, I went and spied him maybe maybe it was it was actually it was a day out of Stephen say comes in, he says says, look, we'll take a hand. He says, I'm not and literally says, I'm two hours in from the pub. The elite, <laughs> the elite are in, in the next week. He's down here from the pub. He says, okay, we, we take a handy. I'm not messing. I was running for cover. He bet me till at the post. He killed me. He did. He went out. He went out on one of the elite. He said he's only about 77, 78 kilos. He went on one of the elite to 81 the week after. Remember, right? That was 2015, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, it probably was, yeah. And an unbelievable talent. Yeah. Yeah. Like, hey, Eric mentioned like did any of those lads you fought went to the Olympics I remember texting you a few months back about like uh, Emmett about the lads who were world champions who didn't get to go to the Olympics and like Eric knows probably at this stage I love a list but like the world like the world, world champions in the last 25 years who didn't go to the Olympics like from Ireland like Carl Frampton Ryan Burnett Dave Boy McCauley Steve Collins Eamon Loughran Bernard Dunn Deirdre Gogarty TJ Doheny and uh, challengers world title challengers like Paul McCluskey, Luke Kaler, uh, John O'Carroll, James Tennyson, Patrick Hyland, Dennis Hogan, Christina McMahon, uh, Jamie Conlon, Ray Close, like all four, four world yeah. titles in that in that company. None of them managed to amazing. get the Yeah, that's amazing. And yeah. the list of, of British Commonwealth European champions as well is, it's as long as your arm, I just wouldn't keep going yeah. on about it, but it's, yeah. it's ridiculous. Um, but but uh, you did, you, you went to the Olympics this summer and although you said it wasn't the full experience, it does sound like maybe you're hanging on just with an idea going to get the full experience in Paris 2024. Yeah, look, as I said, mine's not made up. Um, I'll see how the next few weeks play out, um, as I said, in terms of funding, in terms of the shoulder. Um, I'll be in a better position to decide that way closer to Christmas. My main focus right now is doing everything right to get the shoulder perfect. Because, mm-hmm. as I said, I have like, look, if I stay amateur, I'll stay to Paris and then I'll, I'll pack her in. I'll go into a coaching role or something like that. And then if I stay, if I, stay, if I go professional, I have four or five years in me. Like, besides the shoulder, I feel great. I'm living a, a much healthier life than I was a few years ago. Like, you look at the life of Bernard Hopkins, like, he prolonged his career by just living a good lifestyle. Um, and again, Eric would know this, the alcohol is, the alcohol is the bane of an athlete's life. So the plan for me now is to, I'm, I'm a being drinker, so I'll go a year without drinking or I'll go six months without drinking and then like last of the Olympics, I had six weeks just drinking, 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 drinking. My plan now is to, look, I have a few years left in me. Let's give this, like what I've done with the Olympics, let's, let's give this the best shot we have and have no regrets again. And my plan now is to give up alcohol until I retire. Yeah, and I know a lot of boxers have, have done the same. Like, there's people who kind of say, I've got an alcohol problem, and I suppose that's different. But lads who wanted to maximize their careers, like I would say, Carl Frampton, Michael Conlon, and both of them said, that's it, no more booze, apart from maybe a sherry at Christmas kind of job. But yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's the right call. Yeah, look, it doesn't add to your life. Um, I suppose my only thing is trying to get, trying to get comfortable being in that situation where I normally was and I'd be drinking like if I'm in a bar like what the easy thing to do is yeah go get a drink whereas the last few weeks I've just been trialing and been successful and having two or three non-alcoholics and going home but it, it, it takes like again Eric you know this it, it takes getting used to it. it's not easy being in that situation it does it does but the more you do it then the more, you know, you get better at it and the more mm. you enjoy it and then you start to enjoy. Like when I go out, I love being able to kind of drive home. I love being able to, yeah. 
uh, wake up the next morning fresh, go for a run or, or do whatever I need to do. I'd love to say something about the karaoke. I, well, I sang a couple of nights on my, on my honeymoon yeah. and sang a couple of not very great now. The place was packed mm. before I picked up the mic and it was empty when I put it down. <laughs> <laughs> what did you sing, Eric? Uh, <laughs> I sang a bit of Johnny Cash and um, <laughs> I sang a, what did I say, a bit of Oasis and um, yeah, a bit of Robbie Williams. Asher, look, I'm, I'm, I'm brutal, but I tell you, mm. I get up and give it a go, you know. Um, but like, I love, I love being able to kind of just remember what the night was like, who I spoke to, what I spoke about, and I have no regrets, no shame, no embarrassment, nothing like that. And that's what I love about my life today. I love that, um, that kind of a uh, peace of mind. That peace of mind. It's just priceless, you know, and uh, and. And I don't, I'm not attracted to the drinking culture now anymore. So even when I see people having fun and giant themselves getting smashed or whatever, I'm like, fair play to them, you know? But I don't like it. It's not something mm. I want to. And before I would have been like, oh, I wish I was like them. I'd love to be, you know, I don't. I just, I've accepted my life now for the way it is. And I'm at my absolute best when I'm sober, when I'm not drinking. I'm, I'm the best version of Eric Donovan, and that's the way it's going to be. And you've probably noticed like a lot more opportunities arising, and actually taking the opportunities than what you would have if you had drinking. Absolutely, I blew so many opportunities to drink. I blew them. I literally blew them. I definitely probably would have been at the Olympic Games as well, only for the same drink. And it's a demon, you know. It really is a mm. demon. Um, but look, um, you know, I, I my greatest achievement today lies outside of the boxing ring yeah. and that's my recovery and you know i'm to be you know to, to be to be married to be a great dad to be a reliable dad to be to be a, a constant kind of a reliable person in the people's lives that i love and the people that are around me and all that that's that's just where i love being love being that kind of uh the what would you say constant that constant uh reliable person trustworthy person that's the greatest achievement for me Price. Yeah, that's a full of us, full of us. That's worthy of any, uh, worthy of any round of applause. But Emmett, also your achievements this year, uh, not not to be denied. So congratulations from us at the Rocky Road, uh, myself, Simon, uh, the producer. He, he's getting his pioneer badge now in the post next week as well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ten, I'm ten days off to booze myself doing dry November. So happy days. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, the small win. absolutely. But look. <laughs> It's it's been a rocky road to Tokyo, but you're you're still punching. So Emma Brennan, don't throw too many shadow boxes now when you're at mm-hmm. Jason Quigley's ringside. Oh, world title fight, you got a shoulder to recuperate. So mm-hmm. thank you very much for joining us today. It's been an absolute pleasure for me, Kevin. Um, and thank you as well, Eric, for joining us today. Much appreciated, man. I uh, know my pleasure. Uh, thanks, thanks, Emma. It's great talking to you. And mm-hmm. we wish you we wish you the very best. Whatever you do, Emmett, we're going to be rooting for you uh, here at the Rocky Road Podcast. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thanks very much. Just want to say before I go, best of luck to Jason. Um, unbelievable to have an Irish person fighting for a world title, and yeah, we're all backing. I think actually another one. One last word before you go. How do how do you how do you donate to uh, your Movember campaign? Oh yeah. Um. So me, I just left a link on my Instagram. I leave it on my Twitter and my Facebook as well. So it's just Emma Brennan for Instagram and Facebook, and then Emma Brennan ninety one for yeah. That's great stuff. So anyone who's listening, please donate to Emma Brennan's campaign. Thank you again. Cheers, lads. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.